Hey, hey, happy new year, everybody, and welcome to episode 29 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. Hopefully 2021 turns out better than 2020 for a lot of you. Uh, it was an absolute crazy year, but to be honest, if it wasn't for this pandemic, the chances of Outside the Shoot launching probably wouldn't have happened. So, uh, you know, I, I like to think at least a little bit came out of 2020. So with that, on behalf of myself and Chris, uh, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in each week, and hopefully we can continue to bring some new and exciting content for 2021. Before we move on to our guest outside the shoot, we'd like to announce, in conjunction with Beautiful Beast of Sports, one of their major awards for the year. The Beautiful Beast of Sports Board of Directors award three players each year across the U.S. in three separate categories, MVP, Ambassador of the Year, and Volunteer of the Year. They do so to encourage their youth to excel in being student-athletes on and off the field. Their second award is for the Ambassador of the Year, and this year's recipient is Madison Garcia from Pembroke Pines, Florida. Maddie was instrumental in the production of the Beautiful Beast promotional video, as well as her continued motivation that she gave others. Great job, Maddie, and congrats. Now on to this week's guest, and we sat down and chatted with Hall of Famer and Victoria, B.C. native Mike Pieknik. Mike had an absolute amazing career spanning over 30 years. He's a nine-time ISC All-World selection, two-time Pan Am Games gold medalist, has four Canadian senior men's national titles, a 1992 ISF gold medal with Team Canada, and has thrown a record four ISC perfect games, just to name a few. We talked to Mike about getting a start in the game after the tragic workplace death of his father, how he became a pitcher after starting as an outfielder, playing down in New Zealand, as well as the amazing three-week span where he had four perfect games. Peaches was such a great guy to chat with, and after hearing this, you'll understand why he was so loved and respected in the softball world. So as usual, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I got the world in my palm, like camera action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling, ain't never felt this freedom. I got the world in my palm. classified to get us going in uh, 2021 all the time well it's 2021 when this is going on but yeah it's really december 20th do you know what's going on in 2021 yet um <laughs> this isn't one of those shows. hopefully right? it's better than 2020 <laughs> yeah that's right i'm sure it will be i yeah. think that uh, with everything the way everything's going right now covid cases are down mm -hmm. you know everybody is kind of in this little bubble in atlanta canada at least um i know for instance like my son i can't see my son for the first time ever at Christmas time this year because he's in Charlottetown. That sucks. And he can't come home and then go yeah. back and, re and uh, quarantine. But with everything, uh, the way it's going and, you know, people with the restrictions and stuff, I think 2021, it's looking a lot brighter than, uh, than oh, 2020 yeah. was for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. start rolling the vaccine and hopefully, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. people will take it. I mean, you know, that's the funny thing because I talked about that with my family last night. Some of my family's on the fence about taking it. Right. Some are like, yeah, I'm taking it for sure. Who really knows? I guess yeah. we need some guinea pigs to take it. And if somebody's growing a third arm or another testicle or something, then, <laughs> then I'm definitely taking it. <laughs> yeah. You always want that third testicle. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I know Ivy will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. So, uh, 
anything else? Like, uh, as far as the restriction goes around here, yeah. are we able to get in the dome for the new year? Do you know? Or Yeah, but I think it's going to be limited numbers. I haven't seen, nothing came out from uh, from the dome yet as to what it's allowed. Right. But I know that hockey, for instance, I think right now we're only allowed 25 at a time in a rink. Right. So that means no parents, which huh. me being a coach of hockey, mm. I love it. <laughs> I yeah. do. I love not having the parents. The kids are more engaged. I, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm coaching U11. Those right. kids are way more engaged. They're not looking for mom and dad in stands. Right. And so I do like that. Um, as far as getting in the dome, I, I think we're going to be safe because our numbers will be around 2025 20, anyway. Yeah. And uh, the dome's quite big. So yeah, I don't exactly. know. There, there's probably different restrictions for the size of that place, but yeah. I'm not sure. And by that time, I mean, like things, Maybe, things yeah. should change after the 10th. And we start the 10th, I think. Oh, is that right? <laughs> oh, if awesome. that's a Sunday okay. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think okay. we do. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we got some uh, bad news today. Yeah, terrible uh, news. Yeah. Passing of Carl uh, Anthony. Um, yeah. He's been a big part of my life. My dad's yeah. worked for him for 48 years now. And uh, yeah, yeah the, the Anthony family, uh, it's a tough load, you know, to them and, and to, you know, East Hans Fast Pitch. Yeah, the, the Carl was a staple of our community yeah. with, with Fast Pitch especially. That's, I mean, how I knew him and I know the Anthony's very well. And, you know, my condolences and heartfelt sorrows are sent out to those guys and I, I feel terrible. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a tough situation for sure, especially yeah. this time of year. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it, really tough. I mean, I, you know, Maddie and and Dougie and, and Alex and Cody. And, yeah. And, of course, Harriet. Yes, of course. And, and, and Terry, Jackie, Larry, Larry I can yeah, name I them, all. You know them all. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. uh, yeah. Condolences to, to everybody involved there. It's, yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough day. For sure it is. Yeah. yeah. So our guest today, uh, get on I'm sure Carl definitely watched this guy play. Oh yeah. hundred percent. He did. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're talking with the uh, Mike Pieknik from, uh, from BC. Peaches. Peaches. Yes, sir. Unbelievable thrower. Yes, big left-handed son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a big man. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I had uh, I get to watch him watch him play growing up, and you know he was one of those guys that you know, I looked up to. Oh, one hundred percent. He was bigger than life. Yeah, when I was growing up too, because yeah. it was in my heyday. Yeah, exactly. He's not much older than me, but he was like that. Holy shit, that guy is good. Yeah, and got to play against him a couple times myself. Yeah. Actually, I'll mention it to him in the yeah. in our podcast with him. Uh, got to beat him once too, which was awesome at a oh, national tournament. Can't wait Saskatoon. to hear that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he won't remember, but <laughs> yeah, I was just the pimply guy and shortstop yeah. for the keys. But anyway, yeah. I'll br- I'll bring yeah. up the or two thousand eight game I played against him when yeah, I was with Utah. And, that's uh, right. He, yeah. 100% definitely doesn't remember that. So, no, uh, no. anyway, uh, let's get to talking to Mike. Absolutely. All right. Mike, thanks for coming on the podcast. Good to be here. Boy, it's been a while. Yes. How are uh, you, Heather, and the kids making out in beautiful British Columbia? Well, we're looking forward to Christmas. Yeah. And I have to be honest with you, I'm actually quite. Um, I feel almost guilty. We we're doing so well despite COVID. Yeah. It mm-hmm. hasn't really uh, touched us. All of us are still working, and we've had a remarkably good year. Well, that's good. That's, that's positive because I mean, there's a there's a lot of people across the country that uh, definitely can't be saying the same thing. No. Yeah, mm. so, and I understand that, and and I feel for a lot of people how it's affected their jobs and yeah. and uh, the social distancing. Uh, there's a lot of lonely people out there, and. Um, I'm thankful that I still have a son who's uh, 22. He lives at home, and yeah. he just returned from two years of playing baseball in college in the USA and uh, in Illinois for a year and in Kansas for his second year. Nice. 
But nice. in his first uh, couple of weeks in Illinois, he met a young lady, and uh, they've been basically together ever since. And she's actually with us right now. Oh, great. She's visiting uh, just prior to Christmas, and their quarantine period is over. They were uh, segregated in the basement. Yeah. And uh, and now they're free to roam again, which is awesome. Lovely, lovely young lady, and I'm very happy uh, that he's dating her. Nice. And my older son, who's 25, um, he was married this August to a young lady that he met when he was six uh, <laughs> wow. while playing baseball. Um, when you're six, the guys and the girls play together. Yeah. And her father was the coach. Oh. He didn't like her very much back then because of the fact that she's uh, she wasn't very good and he wanted <laughs> to win. And uh, being raised in the ballpark, he really understood the game. So yeah. he was pretty competitive and uh, didn't like this young lady because she didn't help the team enough. <laughs> but as, as luck would have it, uh, he was not only their baseball coach, and I say there, he was both my son's coaches for baseball oh, wow. and for soccer. Okay. And... Uh, I'll tell you, I've got a lot of respect for a guy like that who gives up so much of his time for for others. And uh, at the same time, as they separated guys and the girls, he did the same things uh, coaching his daughter's soccer, which he does to this day. Wow. And and he uh, he spent so much time coaching baseball. And, and uh, I just have a lot of respect for coaches because uh, – that time away from family and that time committed is is huge. And yeah. I shamingly have to say it's something I really haven't done. I've uh, I've coached individuals in pitching, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I was pretty picky on who I would coach because if the attitude wasn't there, I neither was I. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Um, tell you what though that i sure had some fantastic young ladies uh to work with and uh and i'm my life's better for it that's good that's good that's awesome so so mike what, what have you been doing with your time since since stepping away from the game well i when i kind of initially stepped away from the game i was still throwing batting practice to a number of women's teams and kind of tweaking you know, their pitchers a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then, <clears throat> and then I actually had one who called me up and said, can you work with me? And, uh, that was a dream come true because I thought, you know, if I had some time with this young lady, she could, she could probably go some places. Mm -hmm. And as luck would have it, uh, how I met her was through the baseball Academy and uh, it's at Lambert park high school here in Victoria, which has the baseball Academy mm -hmm. for men and mm -hmm. the softball academy for women. And both my kids, like we homeschooled them to grade eight and then put them into high school in grade nine to 12. Mm -hmm. uh, and the high school had the baseball academy. And Rocky Vitale is, you know, the name from yeah. Fast Pitch. He mm -hmm. runs the show. Wow. And so he uh, looked after my kids really well. And uh, they initially wanted to come back to homeschooling after a few weeks uh, because <laughs> of the change they uh, they couldn't work hard and get off earlier because, of course, <laughs> classes have time off, yeah. whereas they could do that while homeschooling. Yeah. Right. They had their study uh, set up and 
and uh, they just knew if they worked hard, they'd get off earlier. And both of them went to high school and were a little frustrated by the amount of uh, discipline required uh, by the teachers to tell people to basically shut up and do their work. (laughs) Whereas our kids wanted to just learn and get it over with. Right. But uh, it didn't take long. And uh, they, you know, you you make an adjustment and and then all was good. And both of them came out of school with just flying colors. They are A students. And that's good. And uh, they knew most of the guys anyways, from sports, baseball, soccer. eh? Yeah. So anyways, they, um, I worked with the Academy and saw this young lady and found out she was a pitcher, but she never wanted to pitch. <laughs> and she dated my son, younger son's best friend. And, uh, I met her again through that. And then she called me up one day after they had split up and said, would you be willing to work with me? And, uh, as <laughs> I was so fortunate with her cause she's a great kid with really good parents. Oh, nice. And, uh, her mom was a school teacher, so we got their gym for free on Sundays. Nice. And uh, so weather didn't matter. And and I remember the first time working with her, I had some suggestions, and I thought her dad looked a little skeptical. <laughs> and it was all fine and dandy until uh, I said, "Step aside, I want to show you what I'm what I'm trying to get you to do." And I threw to her father, <laughs> and he had never seen me throw; he just heard. And once he started to catch it, his face lit up and he just <laughs> bought in right then and there. That's and awesome. For the next two years, I worked with her. And then she went to a community college in Illinois and then she got a big scholarship for a four year school in Wisconsin. Wow. A great and story. I'm so, so uh, proud of her. She's worked hard. She deserves this. And she met a great guy who uh, is in the baseball program and they are together in Wisconsin. So, uh, life's good for the, her, and I'm I'm just happy to be a part of uh, getting her there. Who who was that pitcher, Mike? Her name was Tijan Ross. Okay, okay, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah, she's coming a long, long way, and I'm I'm proud of her. Um, anyways, having said that, uh, I worked with her, and then since then I haven't done anything with the game. I you know I go watch occasional games, but uh, I kind of uh, changed my hat. From being a ball player um, and a hardcore one, I mean, I was as dedicated as you can get, especially while I was with the national team. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it, it, <laughs> I recognize the honor that it was to right. be one of twenty-three to play for a country with you know thirty-three million people. Yeah. Um, when you look at it in that perspective, you are so privileged to play uh, with those kind of numbers. And to do it for four cycles or, or sorry, three cycles or 12 years, um, that's a huge blessing. Mm. Um, and then to win it, win the Pan American Games here in 99 uh, was kind of a great way to go out. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't really planning on going out, though. It didn't take too long <laughs> after that. I was, uh, I was uh, throwing in a tournament that I hadn't prepared for in the spring. And blew out my shoulder. I'll tell you, it was, it oh, was crazy. But I, I had surgery and I was yeah. able to throw BP again. But my physio said, you have a competitive streak in you a mile long. If you play competitive rather than just relax, you know, easy going stuff, you're going to crank it up a notch one time and think, ha, I can get away with it. And you might. But eventually it'll catch up to you. Yeah. And if you blow your shoulder again, you may never even pick up a grandkid again. Yeah. 
Yeah. He said we won't repair it twice. Right. So, and that's the uh, I when they say that I, I think that's where you're like, oh, okay, you, you kind of get the message right. Yeah. yeah, that was serious stuff. So I took his advice, and and so I just you know would throw batting practice to to teams and and enjoy doing that. But I've uh, changed that hat even. And now I just uh, prefer to be a husband and a uh, father. Yeah. And uh, that's fair. I think that's as honorable as you can get. No question. Yeah, for sure. Now I want to, I'm going to turn back the clock here. Uh, when and where did you get your start in the game? Well, I, I come from, you know, in Victoria, which is a softball hotbed mm-hmm. or was a softball hotbed. Yeah. It's still a hotbed of high performing athletes uh, across the gamut of sports. We've, we've got a lot of uh, professional athletes coming out of Victoria, a lot of national championship teams coming out of here. And it might be for our weather, but maybe because it's just a great place to live. A lot of people come here, mm-hmm. but in any case, uh, we've got a tradition of excellence in sports in the city. Yeah. Softball just happens to be one of them. <clears throat> and when I was growing up in the small little area that I was at, you know, small elementary school. There was only women's softball and you had to have a little bit of money to play baseball. I mean, and that wasn't happening. I'm the youngest of five. We were raised on a farm, you know, Polish, uh, mom and dad, uh, we were farmers first and you worked on the farm. And to say my dad was strict is, is an understatement. Um, you just did what you were told and that was that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so the only time I got to play softball because that was all that was available with sports equipment at elementary school was during school. There were no extracurricular activities allowed. You worked on the farm. Uh, I mean, you go to your friend's place and goof off, but you just couldn't play uh, organized sport. Right. So I really never knew what it was like to play for a team. And certainly not a team with people who I didn't know before I joined the team. Right. Yeah. Boy, was I come getting ready for a mind ex- uh, expanding experience while uh, coming into fast pitch. But um, as things would be, I would play at school and I was a good player, mostly liking the outfield because you could throw it as hard and far as you wanted. Yeah. And, uh, and I liked that. And, and then one day a kid came to our elementary school when I was in grade six and he was a pitcher for a softball team. And, uh, I've watched the women pitch windmill, but this kid, he's pretty darn good. And it was so cool to watch him throw. Um, and shortly after, um, how do I explain this one? One of my older brothers had a friend in high school. He had a younger brother whose name was Larry Cole. Larry was 16, and I believe he joined Canada in New Zealand for the 76 World Championships. Okay, wow. He was really young and brought along for that trip. Yeah. Um, he was a phenom at that age, and, and, and I... Honestly, don't know whatever transpired with the rest of his life. Um, he's a Facebook friend now, and he's uh, an incredibly successful businessman. I say that with a smile because uh, that's an understatement. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
the older brother, Rick Cole, was my brother's high school friend and came to our farm one day and they were playing catch. And then he started to throw a windmill. Now, he was nothing like his younger brother, but he was good. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I saw a ball rise. And it was over great distance, by the way. He was in the middle of our farm field throwing down to the lawn by our house. Right. Right. I'm guessing it's at least a hundred yards and he would put a curve on it or a drop or a knuckleball. And I, I was hooked as all three of us brothers were <laughs> the older brother and sister were uh, married and gone by then. Right now. Um, so we started to pitch a ton so much. So uh, my next oldest brother, Andy, he did the majority of catching with me. Um, Andy, and I played so much in the backyard, we kind of forsook our chores. And my dad one day said, give me the ball. And he took it, put it on the chopping block where we do the chickens. And he literally cut that ball with an axe right in half, <laughs> just to the point that it was hanging by a thread of leather. It was almost completely through. And then he tossed it to us with a gentle throw and just tossed it underhand, a little flick and said, now go play catch. <laughs> and then he said... When I tell you to do something, you do it. Yikes. Wow. That's not yeah. going to happen again because softballs were a lot of money to us back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Purchase one. Yeah. So we probably stole one through our elementary school. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, uh, you know, things happen for a reason in life. And then I started to go to junior high school. And uh, it was a tough day. Yeah. 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 I came home from a, a track meet and uh, my dad wasn't there. Yeah, that's tough. Mike. That's tough. And he was killed at work <clears throat> at a sawmill. And, uh, after 26 years. Yeah, Mike. Yes. And that was the only fatality they've ever had. Wow. You know, so, um, about three months later, my mom, oh, she was having trouble coping as we all were. Right. Um, but I remember, uh, playing, uh, this was in April, May. So right at the beginning of ball season and, uh, in junior high, I, I asked, uh, you know, I was playing, uh, you know, pick up ball at lunchtime. And one of the guys thought, holy cow, like, I mean, we're farm kids, right? You're strong. Yeah. You can throw yeah, yeah. the ball hard and you can run like the wind. And uh, he said, like, crap, who do you play for? And I, I just said, you know, I don't play. And we were never allowed. And he said, do you want to play with us? And and it happened to be the team that was just, uh, I don't know, 15 minutes away. So I asked my mom and and told her it was $30. And she said, yeah, like, you can do that. I mean, we got a fair whack of change when dad died, but yeah. um, thank goodness he had a, a pension after 26 years and it yeah. had a cost of living allowance. So kind of looked after mom until she died just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I started to play on this team. And, and like I had said earlier, I had never played on a team where I didn't know everyone well before I played on it mm-hmm. and I didn't like them. I didn't feel comfortable there. Uh, but 
I mean, talk about culture shock, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, here I am, a farm kid, and yeah. I go to the first team barbecue, and I don't know what to expect. I'm really uneasy because I don't know some of these guys at all. They went to other schools. And there's music playing, all the pop and chips and hot dogs <laughs> and hamburgers you could have. I never had this on the farm, yeah. nor when we were with our families. I mean, we ate big Polish meals, but... Not this is kind of like fun food, eh? Yeah, yeah. And there was music playing, and and it was fun music, and it was just so different, and <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Mm. And I played in the outfield. Yeah. And I still continue to, and I didn't tell them, but I continued to practice pitching with my brother. Well, at the end of the first year, we had wrapped up my first season, I should say, uh, the first year I played with these guys. My coach's name, by the way, was Ron Hill. And I got a great story about him. Good. But um, Ron um, was kind of, he was such a nice gentleman. And he, he, um, he just listened and occasionally would ask a question about my dad, but without me realizing it or him probably ever realizing it, he became like a father figure. Mm -hmm. Right. And as the years went on, because I was with him for a number of years, five, six years, whatever, and we won a lot of provincial championships and went to Western Canadian championships and did well. And, you know, as, as my career went on and we started to win national championships, Pan-American championships, and then, of course, Manila, the ISF World Championship, and I've been to a lot of big tournaments and won a lot of awards and stuff. Um, when we won big ones, when my teams won the big one, and like when we won in Manila, it was like two in the morning here. I phoned him. When we won in in, in Argentina, I don't care what time it was here. I phoned him. Yeah. When we won our first nationals, our second, third, and fourth nationals, I phoned him. Mm -hmm. And it was to share it with him and to say thank you yeah. Yeah. for those early years. And that, sure. that's funny, Mike, because I, I have one of my questions on here was like, it was going to say, tell us about Ron Hill and, and the influence he had on you. It was big. Well, uh, I'll explain a little story, just a brief story about how, what kind of guy he was and how he can change lives. We, like I had never gone on a road trip. So we went to Vancouver for uh, a tournament, my very first. And we took two campers, truck and campers. That's how we traveled with as a team. When you were allowed to back the, those days without... Yeah. Seatbelt. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. we uh, we head out uh, to the ferry terminal, which is about a uh, say a half hour drive, and halfway there we are to meet one of our players uh, at a place beside the highway, and we pulled over on the side of the highway at the intersection, and he wasn't there, and so we'll give him you know fifteen minutes before we have to just leave on time to the ferry, or we're not going to make the ferry. So while we're waiting there. One of the kids in the upper bunk over the cab in the camper, he looks down. He says, hey, is that him there? His his name is Rico Underwood. And he says, is that Rico? And he was um, uh, a native kid. And 
he, the coach went over and sure enough, Rico was there and he was passed out in the ditch with his ball bag. Now, Ron could have walked up and said, Rico, we don't allow this on our team. Don't ever come back here. You're finished. Mm-hmm. And just wrote him off. But he said, he picked up his bag, helped Rico to his feet, and said, come on, son. Let's get you in bed. You can sleep it off. And we'll talk in Vancouver. Wow. Rico played with us for at least three more years wow. where we won three provincial championships. He got to be a member of a family, a team. Yeah. And we went to Western Canadian and, and had just awesome times together. Um, he was catching me in my first provincial championship final where I drilled a kid in the face and Rico stood up. But like we had a two nothing lead and they started to get a couple of guys on base. So I cranked it up a notch and, you know, found that extra gear and, and one got away from me and drilled the kid. Mm. Well, it happened to be the first game my mom ever watched me pitch too. Oh, wow. And uh, she just couldn't believe what just happened because as soon as I hit the kid, Rico stood up and said, hey, man, you okay? And then the kid just fell like I, you cut a tree down. <laughs> um, and then he never woke up till well, after the ambulance carried him away. I mean, the oh, cops wow. came and then an ambulance came. He still hadn't got, woken up yet. I mean, this is That's scary. That's scary. Yeah. And, but we got to remember, we... Uh, and I don't want to make light of this. We slaughtered a lot of animals on our farm. <laughs> when he went down and the coach came out thinking, hey, Michael, it happens. It's okay. I looked at him and I thought, I didn't mean to do it. No. So I really don't care. You know, it's just, I didn't mean to do it. So right. what? Right. And he's saying here, you know, have a drink of cold water and you know, suck on these ice chips. And <laughs> I'm thinking, why? Like, well, <laughs> You look more worried than me. And my mom said to me later, I don't want you to play this game anymore if that's going to happen. And I said, Mom, it was an accident. It doesn't mean to happen. Well, uh, it happened three more times or two more times in my career. And uh, there were some, and they were just as awful. Yeah. 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 They, they, they just don't wake up. Yeah. That's scary stuff. It and, is. and they get to the hospital and they do. And the last one was the worst one because uh, it ended up being the guy who is the animator for the, Spider-Man cartoon. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, he was a competitive ball player in the little town of Duncan. And uh, we came up with our national champion defending, two-time defending national champion team. And uh, in 1992, first batter of the game, I blow one past him. He takes a hack at it, misses it, and then he points the bat at me. <laughs> Good and idea. Our captain, captain Daryl Clarkson, asked me, you know, hey, See what he's doing. What are you going to do about it? And I said, I'm just going to buzz the tower. <laughs> well, he, leaned, he leaned in on the pitch and took it right in the face. Jeez. Oh my God. So his spider senses were not tingling. Yes. Down onto the field screaming, Oh my God. Oh my God. I thought she was going to have the kid then. Cause she was due any day. <laughs> and, uh, I went to see him after the game and, um, and I couldn't believe the swelling in his face, Gosh. but, uh, he was very sympathetic saying, uh, I leaned over the plate, man. I've been hit a number of times this year. It wasn't you. <laughs> and I said, I just meant to brush you back, man. Not, not that, but yeah. anyhow. So back to Ron Hill. He, uh, he helped Rico into that truck, and we enjoyed years together. And 
I'm happy to say, um, after being with our bus system here as a transit driver for this is my 30th year, Jeez, and I'll be retiring time. pretty soon. Yeah. Um, the uh, <laughs> great story is uh, I I pulled into a stop, and I hear, "Are you Mike Piagnik?" <laughs> <laughs> it was Rico. Oh, <laughs> nice. Wow. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, he must be meant for something special on this earth because uh, he had a major industrial accident and it could have easily killed him, he said. And and mm. he's still here with us. So, yeah. I mean, there's a purpose for him here yet, eh? Yeah, Jeez, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it was nice to chat with him and catch up. And I'm sure uh, his voice was the same. It was it was really good. But <laughs> Ron Hill changed his life because it could have gone south in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A great story. I want I want to ask about the uh, the Stuffy McGinnis League and uh, just how how competitive was that league? Well, Stuffy McGinnis was uh, one of three leagues, and there was uh, Haywood Avenue, and then McDonald Park, and then the Stuffy McGinnis League, and then of course the Great Northwest Fastball League. The Northwest Fastball League has the Senior Men's National Champion team on it you know okay. that's the uh there was seattle paying pack in there remember those guys yeah. and, mm-hmm. but uh victoria base budgets royals pay less mm-hmm. travelers and they're all part of the northwest fastball league but feeding that team was mainly coming out of the stuffy mcginnis league so these are guys and, and by the way i can say the same i'll just add in i played in a lot of places Mm-hmm. And I have played against a lot of awesome, awesome athletes. And these guys could easily have made the national team of their respective country. Yeah. The reason why they didn't is a number of, uh, as a lot of the guys in the Stuffy McGinnis League would fall under these three categories. You had a job that didn't allow you to take the time away. Right. You had a wife who wouldn't allow you to yeah. or your relationship just yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't stand for that. Mm-hmm. And, or you had kids or other commitments or the last, the third one is you were in a geographic location, which just didn't sit well for you to be ever recognized or you didn't have competition to keep your game sharp. Right. And I had all three of those. Yeah. I had a supporting family right off the get-go and then a very supporting wife who, by the way, had no clue that I, who I was or that I played ball when I met her, mm-hmm. um, which was to my liking, trust me. And um, <laughs> No, it was because uh, the last thing you want to do is, is you know, be recognized for something you're not. 100%, yep. You know, and, uh and then um, my gr- geographic location, Victoria, is a hotbed for a fast pitch and with great coaching and great players and great mentors like Rob Ginter, the pitcher was for me. Um, you know, I kind of had it all here. So Stuffy McGinnis was really good. And when they, when the Victoria Bates and Budgets Royals, whoever that top team was in, in Victoria, when they came to play our all-star game, you know, our all-star team, sorry, uh, there was a huge crowd, and very often it was a really good game. Hmm. It wasn't just a pushover. I mean, yeah. I've been with uh, Victoria Payless 
and we have blown out teams in some of the uh, you know little all star kind of appreciation yeah. kind of things. Yeah. But uh, in these games, there is some pretty tough games there. Yeah. So from that from the the stuff in McGinnis, like you go to New Zealand. How how did going to New Zealand all come about? Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, um, I, you know, in that final year at Stuffy McGinnis, I think I was twenty one or maybe twenty two. Uh, well, it must have been twenty two or twenty three because I was in New Zealand as a twenty three year old. So, okay. um, I had lost sixteen games with my team. Ron Hill was our coach still, um, although he brought in other coaches because he recognized the fact that he's taught us about as much as he can teach us. So he was there as the guy we listened to, but the fine-tuning was done by higher-level coaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I had lost 16 games, one nothing that year. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we could turn it and burn we could make it move, yeah. but I have to tell you this, guys, and it makes me laugh because I knew where to throw it. I know. I knew where it was going when I threw it. Yeah. I just didn't know where to throw it. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I just, I never had anybody say, this is where you throw it. Right. So sometimes uh, we would lose the game on a home run or something like that because remember, I, there were some good players in this league. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, we lose on a bomb and, and I feel kind of crappy and they would say, um, what do you hit? Uh, rise ball, drop ball, curve ball, change up. Didn't matter. I could throw all the pitches, mm-hmm. but I just say that's what they threw. But nobody really said to me, where did you throw it? Where did he hit it? Yeah. Yeah. And once in a while they say it looked pretty fat. And I probably didn't even know what fat meant. <laughs> can, can, like, can you believe that? Because I was able to blow it by and move it by all the other lower levels growing up and mm-hmm. got away with it because we were so overpowering. Yeah. And, uh, and it moved. But now you're play, you're facing good players, where when you need to throw it at the knees and have it drop, or at the chest and have it rise, or on the outside of the plate and make it curve further outside the plate. Mm-hmm. You know, there's pitches that look like strikes, but they're balls, and there's pitches that look like balls, and then you bring them in for a strike, and mm-hmm. depending on certain batters and certain situations and certain umpires, um, you have to make that adjustment. Well, I had no clue of that. Mm-hmm. So with all these losses, my ERA was the second lowest in the league. <laughs> That's incredible. So, yeah. And the top pitcher was on the top team mm-hmm. and, uh, Lenny Carolyn, uh, <laughs> anyhow, um, <laughs> I remember that name and, um, when Victoria saw this, I guess they thought there's a left-hander coming up here. We might want to give him a chance. And so they talked to Rob Ginter and they, he said, yeah, I'll work with him a little bit. And so they said, would you be interested in throwing in an exhibition super series for us? Salt Lake city is coming to town, the page break team. Mm -hmm. And they said uh, they were number three at the U S nationals last year. So they're a good team. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, if, if they had the same personnel, but, and they usually did. And because those were the days before we started playing everywhere, um, you stayed with your home team. Anyway, uh, they said, you can practice with us Tuesday, Thursday nights, so, you know, you know, we start at five. And so I come to practice and, you know, the guys were, 
not exactly welcoming because back in those days, a rookie was a peon. Right. Yeah. You know, a newbie. And, uh, but Rob Ginter, uh, is the consummate gentleman and he worked with me, uh, to a degree. And how he did it was when I would just stand beside him and throw, uh, his right arm, my left arm, you know, near each other, our two catchers side by side. And when he would throw a pitch down, I would throw a pitch down in, in the same area. And I would just try to copy everything he was doing, except that I could throw a curve and he didn't. He chose not to. But we'd go up, down, and change up. So um, remember, I hadn't gone to New Zealand yet where a low rise was uh, a pitch that they used a lot. So we just used up, down, and change. No low rise, no curveball. Anyway, when when I would throw and I would kind of throw it a little fat, he wouldn't say a word and I would notice that. But whenever I threw, he watched virtually every pitch I threw. Whenever I put it right on the money, the same area he did, I would hear good pitch, right. good pitch. Yep. Yep. And I thought, Hey, he didn't say it when I threw it here, but when I throw it over here, he does. Yeah. So I threw it you know, over here and then I got that good pitch. And then I realized this is where he wants it. So when I would throw a rise ball, I mean, we could really bend it and, he would, he'd say, I mean, that, that's a great pitch. And then I would, after we throw some change ups and I still was working on my change. It was good, but not really good. Good enough for that way. Yeah. Um, but then after we were all done that, then I would throw my curves and it was good. It was a, it was a great time together, uh, working with him and I learned a ton about pitch location. Right. Um, I still kind of wish it was even like, I mean, when I work with the young ladies now and discuss uh, tactics and pitch location, I mean, I am crystal clear where it needs to be. Yeah. I kind of wish he was even more clear then because I like a typical guy need to be told twice. Yeah. And uh, it would have been nice if we worked on that a little more, but it was enough though that I knew where I needed to throw the ball. Right. Then Paige Break came to town and I got the start for the first game because all the pitchers want the second game because they're under the lights and they <laughs> look better, right? Yeah, that's right. Any pitcher will tell you that. Give me the game under the lights. One hundred percent. I threw the, I, <laughs> I threw the uh, seven o'clock game, not the nine o'clock game. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was like yesterday, my first senior A game and we struck out the side. I came off, the crowd went nuts and it was a big crowd. I don't know, five, 7,000. I don't know. There's a lot of people. Well, that's the thing back, in the, back, in, the, the back in the day there, Mike, like it, it would be not, you know, you'd see those crowds back in the day because yeah. you know, that, that, that was the thing to do there. You know, there was no social media. There was nothing like that. And, no. and, and it was so great back then. Oh, we had we had the best crowds. We set the ISC attendance records easily on both of the ISCs we held. Mm -hmm. um, 
they, they, they just the crowds are huge and and they're knowledgeable people too. These aren't idiots. These people knew when you were slacking off on the mound, even yep. though you were being K and twelve, fourteen people a game. They could tell when you were putting it on cruise and you got barked at a couple of times. <laughs> I mean, they wanted to see you win, and you were afraid. Well, I was afraid to lose in front of that crowd. Yeah. yeah. And that's something I hope uh, you might want to jot down that note and bring it up again because I want to expand on that. Yeah, sure. But anyway, when um, I came to the side, the crowd went kind of crazy. And and then I came into the dugout. I put my head and my elbows on my knees, put my head down, and I just, I can't believe this. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> I was just a kid so excited, yeah. so excited to be a part of this team. And I just came to the side. And then I would come up for the second inning. And now the crowd's got a bit of a buzz and they're, you know, they're, they're, I'm hearing my name being cheered and encouraged and we strike out the next guy and the next guy. And now I'm thinking, damn it, I'm going to strike out every one of them. <laughs> All 21. This game's pretty easy. Well, man. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, you know what it is? Paige Rake had a number of left-handers and oh, yeah. they didn't like the rise, which was on the outside corner floating away from them. Yep. And they hated the curve on the outside corner that looked like a strike, mm-hmm. but wasn't. Yep. And they all flailed away at it. Well, then he called for a drop on the inside, and the guy grounded out to shortstop and threw him out. And we left the field, and I thought, oh, darn it. That's only five <laughs> to six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and anyway, uh, as I think in the sixth inning, they got their only hit of the game. And we struck out 14. Wow. Wow. And I'll tell you what, it was, it was a win uh, that's right up there with, you know, the worlds and the rest. Yeah, uh, Yeah, that's amazing. Because it was the first and the big time, and it meant so, so much. Mm -hmm. And I I, I don't idolize anybody, uh, no matter who you are in this world. You know, I look up to some people and think well of them and their accomplishments, but I don't idolize. But as a team, this team, I really respected. Yeah. Yeah. They were fun to watch. They were great players to watch play, and I got to be a part of them. It it was simply awesome, Mm. that first game. And that was the last game I played for them that year. I went back to my Stuffy McGinnis team. But um, one of the players, uh, or managers actually, on the team said to me, you know, Mike, we would like you to try out next year with us. And actually, he said something funny. He said, it's a good thing you gave up that hit because Rob Ginter was going to run you out of town. <laughs> and it, was all, it was just a joke. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah anyway, uh, he said to me, we'd like you to try out next year. So you're going to need to work hard this winter, or perhaps you might think about going to New Zealand to play. And my ears perked up, and I thought, New Zealand? That's I've a long drive. That country, because, <laughs> well, no, my aunt um, always spoke well of New Zealand. Oh, yeah. And I thought, this is my chance maybe to go there. And, and so we talked about how this would happen, and he said, well, there is a New Zealander. His name was Bart Jones, or Barton was his full name, but... Uh, he would come from the Totra Park team that played in the Hutt Valley League. Mm-hmm. Um, he would come to our national championship every year. And he said, Bart will be here for the national championships, which we are hosting. And you can speak to him. And he will. if you get there, he will find you a team. 
and we'll tell him how good you are and he'll find you a team. Mm -hmm. So I brought my catcher with me, Keith Lidner. We had money and, uh, for plane ticket and we were both working at the time. And so we, we went, uh, to Wellington and Bart picked us up and, um, Mitchell Gray and A.V. Stubbington, two names from the past. Uh, pitcher is Mitchell Gray, and A.V. Stubbington is a catcher and a good hitter. They, I think, came from Alberta or Saskatchewan. They happened to get on the Totra Park team, and therefore Keith and I couldn't be on the same team because that would have been too many players, or pitchers and catchers, I mean, foreigners. So they, Bart put us up at his place and, um, one of the poorer teams in the league needed a pitcher catcher. And so they said, would you like to go on a t- tournament with these guys just to see, you know, if you'd be interested in playing for them? So we said, sure. Mm-hmm. And after our first day of play, I pitched well and we both hit well. Um, they offered us a deal to play, to stay and play there where they'd put us up on a beach, uh, beachside, uh, apartment and give us a car and, um, look after our living expenses. We didn't have to work. It was just living expenses. Nothing. Mm-hmm. It was nothing. Extra, basically just your food Yeah, and, um, a little bit of gas money so we could get to where we needed to be. And yeah, we had a, this was a team from, uh, the Wellington league called Pori Rua. And, um, and I love those guys. There are a lot of Maoris, Cook Islanders and whites. And it was one awesome, happy family. Yeah. My goodness. It was great. And the first year, I think I threw about 58 games there, which is a lot, Yeah, but they ride your, their number one pitcher. They ride you heavy and either you get injured or you get strong and, Fortunately, I got stronger. And then, um, I mean, by the way, before I came into the game of fast pitch uh, or at at the higher level, um, I played a very high level of volleyball. Oh, okay. And yeah, and actually made the junior national team in 1979. Wow. And yeah, and and I was a junior national all-star and uh, a couple of times when I went to the national championships for the juniors and... Um, I chose not to because I wanted to be a pilot and I was doing my flight training at the time. And so I, I opted, even though I made the team, I opted not because I went to the tryouts. I just opted not to play for the team. And I explained to them why I wanted Mm -hmm. to work on my career as a pilot. I'm very thankful I didn't become a pilot. Uh, I mean, I got my license and stuff, but I just didn't become a commercial pilot because, uh, I value marriage and, Uh, a lot of the pilots are divorced. It's a tough life to be away. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So I'm uh, looking back. Um, I'm glad it, it never happened. But uh, at the time, it was most important to me. And uh, sure. so anyway, uh, I, that first year in New Zealand uh, was a lot of games. And, and then I came back to Victoria. Now I'm in mid-season form, right? I've just finished playing in New Zealand. I come to the tryouts in Victoria and I, I've been throwing forever. <laughs> So um, I made the team, but unfortunately my catcher didn't. Oh. And Mark Macarith, the big hitter from Victoria, remember Mark? Mm. He um, he played with the Payless team and was a real force to be reckoned with. 
Um, he ended up taking Keith's place. He made the team and, and he was coming out of, I think, Alberta at the time. And uh, he tried out, made the team, and so he stayed and he still lives here, married uh, one of the players' younger sisters. Um, and he's still in Victoria. He only lives like five minutes from my house. But wow. anyway, uh, um, Keith never made the team, went over to Vancouver and made their team. So we ended up playing against each other. But, um, yeah, I uh, had a great season there that first year and then made the Victoria team. And I roomed with Rob Ginter and the other pitcher, Earl Morris. And with those two guys as my mentors and somebody to look up to, uh, it, Rob showed me how you need to act when you were uh, at the top of the game. And he prepared me for uh, getting to the top. Right. I saw his work ethic. I saw the way he acted when he won, how he acted when he lost. And this was a class individual. And I don't know if I reached that status in the eyes of players in the game, but I sure tried to emulate what he was like. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. When I think I had a little bit, I hate to say this, but it's an admission. I think I might've had a little bit of a meaner streak than Rob did. Mm. Well, as a pitcher though, I mean, that's a, you know what, that's a, that's a good attribute to have though. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's one thing to, to have a mean streak and the other is to flat out hate the team you're playing. Oh yeah, true, like true enough. Yeah, word hate. I don't yeah. like to use the word hate, sure. but I think when I played, I hated a lot of teams and a lot of players. Yeah. Mm. And in particular, when I played for Canada, I really hated a lot of countries' teams because the etiquette that we take for granted in our game is mm-hmm. not prevalent in other countries. They can showboat and think they can get away with it. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. And we yeah. had we had to set them in their place a few times. Yeah, right. It's a respect factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So you're going to buzz the tower? <laughs> uh, no, no, a few times we were going to crash into the tower. <laughs> yeah, no, the, we buzzed the tower a few times. Right? Yeah. We've, uh, we drilled a few people and uh, the tower actually down. walked up to them and said a few words. You know. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I, I hate doing that, and I, and I really do. But when you're with your country's team, um, it's so intense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I imagine. I mean, I can, I've said this before. At the Pan American Games, if you would have said to me, I'll guarantee you the gold medal, but we take one of your fingers, <laughs> I would have said, done deal. <laughs> I mean, that's I, intense. I, Oh yeah, playing for Canada meant everything, yeah. and I trained my butt off for it. Yeah, that's oh insane. yeah, uh, it's it. You play for Canada. Yeah, you know yeah. what kind of honor Incredible. that is. I mean, that's huge. I'd love to know that. Yeah, yeah. huge. Yeah, it's everything. Everything. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it's just it, it was the greatest honor I've ever had in my life. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm proud to be a father and husband of and I, I would, if I had to trade that for playing for the national team, I would Never in a second, yeah. you know, but of course that's in a whole different category, but in terms of athletic accomplishment, playing, oh, by the way, playing for the junior national team in volleyball, mm-hmm. um, it's significance meant nothing to me compared to playing for the national team in softball, nothing. Okay. Yeah. 
I just, I, you know why? Because I probably never had the colors on yet. Right. But yeah. as soon as that uniform went on for the first time, I realized, wow. This is amazing. We, uh, we've arrived. Yeah. And then where did it happen? In 80, 89, like 87, I made the team. Uh, 88, they chose to go with Dean McWillie over me when I was all world at the ISC. Oh, right, yeah. And Canada came a distant third. Like, what were you thinking, man? Yeah. I went to the 87 camp and never gave up a run in the camp, nor on the tour. Yeah. You know, what are you guys thinking? Why did you go with McWillie? That was the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> and then they did the coaching change, and and uh, Terry Bader took over, and he yeah. he uh, told me, you know, we we it's short notice, but would you be interested in coming to Argentina with us? And are you kidding me? Yeah. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go right now. I mean, I was, I stay fit year round because mm -hmm. I'm Wisconsin, by the way, I was there for five years and right. I was, I was there solely to pitch. Mm -hmm. But then my sponsor, he, he said, you're too good at so many things. I need you to work for me, not just to play for me. And I mean, because I was on a farm, we know how to fix engines and run tractors and change oil and, you know, hammer a nail or screw a screw or do whatever we did, run a chainsaw. And yeah, so, you know, right. kind of like his son running on the farm with him. And so I, I literally was like a son and did all the business stuff with him, renovated bathrooms and painted apartments and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I went down to Argentina and there were 9,000 in that stadium watching us beat the States in the final. Wow. And the first game went 11 innings and we won one nothing. Wow. Next game, the final, I was pretty burned out. And uh, guys, you won't believe this. I, I mean, I was down five to two and they got a couple of hits and Bader came out and said, you've done enough. Uh, let's uh, call it a, call it quits. And I said, can I just finish this inning, please? The fifth inning. And he said, sure. And uh, sorry, it was the fourth inning. And he said, sure. Um, I owe you that much. And so I finished and they didn't score. So it was five, two. And then Jim Cowdery came in and I hate to say it. Jimmy was an awesome, awesome pitcher. He was, yeah. mm -hmm. but he was on the twilight of his career then. Right. And he was trying to prove that he could still play for the national team. And I was trying to prove that I need to be on it, mm -hmm. uh, from now on in. And, uh, so Jimmy came in, gave up a two run bomb and it was seven to two. And then I was down the, uh, the third baseline with my catcher. Cause you go in and out with your catcher. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was Doug chase. Uh, we were down the line stretching out and just throwing very lightly, uh, trying to stay semi loose. Mm -hmm. Um, the previous night I threw 11 innings and we lost to the States and that previous day, before that night game of 11 innings, I end up throwing against the Bahamas. So I was pretty burned out, and uh, we just wanted to stay loose so we wouldn't tighten up. And in the top of six, we were down seven to two. We scored eight frickin' runs with one out. Jeez. What? <laughs> and we go up when it was 7-7. Seven, seven, Bader come out off the dugout out of the bench and he's looking down the line. He looks at me and he says, start throwing, <laughs> like, <laughs> get ready to throw. And when it, when we went ahead, he, he came 
flying out of there and he's going, you're in, you're in, you're going back. <laughs> and so, uh, I went back in and, uh, after we had scored two more and it was 10, seven. That's unreal. And, and, uh, I was blessed to be able to K a couple guys the next inning and we got out of that one. And then in the seventh, they hit a rocket at shortstop who caught it. Then they hit a bullet right at center field and he caught it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, thank you, Lord. And then, uh, that's the story uh, of my pitching couple. career right there, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Rockets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sure I could, uh, I, I could relate. I've had a lot of those hit on me. I can relate too. I Cause I was, I was the shortstop, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a lot of people heroes in, in my time. Trust me. Anyway, yeah. this, uh, next guy popped up, uh, to our second baseman. And I remember running over to my catcher and the crowd is going nuts because wow. do you remember the Falkland Island war? Yeah. Yeah. The States helped, uh, Britain with some satellite footage. Yeah. And of course, Britain beats Argentina and Argentinians are still pissed off at the U S we're doing that. Mm -hmm. So we actually, they actually had, um, it used to be mili military rule there and it went to democratic rule. Mm hmm right around the time we arrived. So they were still uh, pretty sensitive uh, about this whole thing. So they, uh, they didn't like the Americans too much. And we had a couple bomb scares and oh, wow. Jesus. anyways, when, yeah, I'm not kidding you. And we were often in the same double decker bus with them, which by the way, I knew more of the American national team than I did the Canadian national team <laughs> at that, on that trip. I, they were all saying, hi, Mike, hi, Mike. And I didn't know hardly any of the uh, Ontario and Eastern boys. Yeah. Was that was that because of your time with the farm? Because I was with the farm straight yeah. out of... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did have that one national championship with Victoria, but mm -hmm. I didn't go there to meet friends at the Nationals. Yeah. So I never, uh, truly never met one person at the national championship in 1984. Right. And then 85 to uh, 89, I played with the farm. So in 89 in Argentina, I knew the Americans. I just didn't know any of the Canadians if I hadn't already played with them. Right, right. And, uh, and that basically was Jim Cowdery, his name, because Rob Ginter told me who he was. Mm -hmm because the two of them played on the national team in the old days together. Mm -hmm. And and then the other one was Doug Chase from our early days playing against each other and then a brief tournament where I was picked up with them. Right. And, uh, you know, guys, um, you got to know your catcher well. And, oh, and I were, yeah. we were roomed together. And I didn't know him very well other than the one tournament I played with him. And I never threw one pitch to him prior to this tournament. But he had been playing for Victoria and Port Alberni. And so he, we get to chatting about catching up with our lives and what life's like in Wisconsin and things like, how's it going in Victoria? How's the Northwest League doing? And all those questions. And then he said, okay, here's the question. What pitch do you like to throw? And when do you want to throw it? He wants to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my answer to Doug was, and this is how we trained. And this is my time with the farm and the catchers that I had, the great catchers that I had. I said to Doug, Doug, you can call any pitch at any time in any situation in any game. And I will put it in your glove. Yeah. 
And he said, are you kidding me? And I said, no, any pitch you want, any time, back-to-back change up in the bottom of the seventh with bases loaded, I'll throw it and I'll put it in your glove. <laughs> and he said, holy cow, this is going to be effing fun. <laughs> That's awesome. And so the next game, um, I wasn't tasked, obviously, or with, or I shouldn't say obviously, I wasn't tasked with him as my catcher. And I had a, a catcher from Saskatoon, or anywhere from Sask- Saskatchewan somewhere, I think it was Saskatoon. And he was a well-known catcher, and he just struggled. He dropped a lot of pitches in the first inning, and, and I asked, can I have Doug catch me? And so Terry made the change, and we struck out 18 that game. Wow. Against wow. Mexico. Against Mexico, yeah. Yeah. And the umpire, you've probably seen this before with somebody who can throw it hard. The umpire actually, when the pitch came in, would turn sideways. <laughs> when we would throw a rise ball, he would turn sideways like he's trying to get his head out of the way. Yeah. See that in Cape Breton a and, lot here. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I actually, in the middle of the game, uh, said, you know, I just said, uh, time, time for a second. And I walked to Doug and then I said, keep looking at me, Dougie. I need to talk to the umpire. And I said, senor, do not turn your head. He will catch every pitch. Mm-hmm. You need to see it. But if you turn sideways, you're going to get hit in the side of the head yeah, and the ear right where your ear. mask doesn't protect you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not kidding you. I yeah. have to Jeez. literally say this because he, he looked like he was flat out freaking scared. Yeah. Wow. I bet he was. Now, again, we were 27 years old, mm-hmm. rip fit and throwing it like a billion miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we were bringing it and he just hadn't seen anything like it. <laughs> so that was the first game. And you know what? Dougie caught me every single pitch for the next 12 years. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was my catcher from then on in. That's awesome. Actually, stick yeah. stick him with the Canadian national team. Uh, I want to talk about 92, the ISF win in, in the Philippines. Um, your guys' pitching staff was incredible. I mean, you, Darren Zach, Jody Henniger, and then you could throw Smitty in there. Terry Bell. Oh, yeah. 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 That's right, too. And Terry Bell. <laughs> yes. That's right, too. So, and Smitty. I mean, you could throw Smitty in there as well if, oh, you, yeah, if you needed Smitty, to. Yeah. So, how special was that team and the championship for you? Well, I'm going to take you back. Just a year earlier, okay, uh, ninety one. Yeah, I, um, I I just finished my first season back from Wisconsin in nineteen ninety. Then comes the ninety one season. We got this Payless team that's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We pick up Zach for the national championships, and I can't go because I'm training with BC Transit. Oh right. <laughs> I heard about that. I heard about this. This is when you showed up with the yeah in the, in the yeah, playoffs, yeah. So and, and I'm you, thinking we're going to yeah. win this freaking thing. Yeah. Because Zach's with us. And in the first inning, he hurts his back and he's done for the tournament. Yikes. Our other pitcher, uh, Mitch Nelson, gets us into the playoffs by one run. Wow. <laughs> and, didn't, and didn't he get round robin MVP? He might have. I, I, I believe I really he did. Yeah. I believe he did. I read that. Well, I, I, I think that's a great uh, accomplishment that he was well-deserving of. <laughs> yes. Because they wrote his skinny little butt for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was a smoker, drinker. <laughs> and uh, I, that's, I'm happy. I'm so proud of the guy. 
I mean, I don't have an ISC, and he does. <laughs> he was the batting practice pitcher for uh, uh, was it Pan Pack who won it ninety one here, or was they were they called Seattle C first? I forgot which, but anyways, <laughs> he was their batting practice pitcher, and he got an ISC ring for it. That's yeah. unbelievable. Anyways, Mitch uh, Mitch gets him into the playoffs, and you know, Transit let me out a day early, so I was able to go there and throw. Uh, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, those six games, and we win the Nationals. Yeah. That's incredible. When, yeah, and then when um, Bader's, you know, said, you know, you're on the team, obviously, for uh, for the 92 Worlds, I was training training indoors and uh, had a muscle injury and uh, a bicep pull. And I said, gee, Terry, I don't, I don't know if I can make this trip. And he said, Mike, we need you on this trip. And I said, I hope it heals in time. And, and, uh, we were like two and a half weeks away and I was just training really, okay. I was, I got to tell you the truth. I was training really, really hard and I finished my workout and I'm thinking to myself, you are so ready for this ISF. And then a girl's team walked in and I thought, I'll just throw 40 more. Oh. My workout was finished. We cooled down and everything. Well, I thought. We'll throw some more. And I was just showing off. Yeah. All these girls standing around the batting cage where I'm working out. And bam, I pulled my muscle in my bicep. What a clown. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lesson there, boys. But anyway, yeah. um, as uh, luck would have it, 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 it healed. We trained in Hawaii for 10 days. And and with the anti-inflams and everything they gave me, uh, yeah. it, it healed up. And I was fine for the tournament. But he, Terry Bader, said, we need you there. So... I went there, I think it was like, what, February, March? I forgot when it was specifically. It was early in the year. So maybe not our perfect time to be going because it was our winter still. Um, We trained in Hawaii for 10 days, and that kind of got us climatized to the temperature. But then we landed in Manila, and it was 42 Celsius. Wow. <laughs> That's imagine hot. Imagine playing in that. We, we trained for 20 minutes, and pitchers would train for uh, – by the way, the whole team went to the hotel, stayed in there. He said, pitchers, catchers, I'm sorry. You guys have to get out there and get used to this. Yeah. yeah. So we went on a field. And uh, right at the end of the practice, a military helicopter landed not 50 feet from us, dust everywhere. Pilots got out, walked away, left, left the helicopter in the middle of the field where we were. It's kind of a crazy moment, but um, <laughs> I'll tell you, guys on the team, <laughs> the, the pitchers and catchers on the team who, uh, if they ever hear this and remember, will go, how did he remember that? But we still tell that story, Doug, Chase, and I. It's like, these guys just drop a helicopter on our practice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we walk back to the hotel, and I'm not kidding you guys, 42 is wicked to play Yeah, in. that's disgusting. It is wicked. Yeah. And so we, we go to the tournament, and the and so the setup was you would throw three or four innings, and then somebody else would throw three or four. And then it got to be you would throw three, somebody else would throw three, and then the Z would close it. Mm-hmm. because the temperature was really tough on Big Zach. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he hadn't made his name yet. I mean, he was bloody good. Don't, don't yeah. get me wrong. Right. This is 92. He he um, he would be with the Vancouver Magicians at that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1991, he gave us some fits, but we were the better team by quite a bit in 91. In 92, he started to come into his own, mm-hmm. but he hadn't yet. 
But with our national team, we recognize with that changeup of his, with his style period, uh, he's an awesome closer. Mm -hmm. So uh, T-Bell and I and even Jody were more fit than Z, and the heat didn't affect us quite as much. Particularly, I hate to say it, Terry and I. Um, so we did a lot of the throwing, and Z would do the closing. And so in the championship game, um, I think in the semifinal, by the way, I pitched against the States, and we won, I think, 3-1, to one, but I went back to the hotel, and I felt like I lost. Oh, really? They had runners in every single inning. Oh, wow. Scoring position every single inning. And the it was intense, focused pitching for seven strong. It was tough. And yeah. then uh, we got out of it. And we won the game, and they recognized that that could have gone any way. Yeah. And then the Americans played the Kiwis, and uh, there was bad blood in that game. And so when we played the Kiwis in the final, the Americans sided with us. Oh, yeah. oh. And I, I started the final game, and in the first inning, um, I just, you know, you know I, it's hard to even tell you guys this, but. I couldn't control the pitches. They were moving too much. <laughs> I was throwing a drop. It would drop out of the zone. And it started as a, a strike that throughout the rest of the tournament was a strike. Yeah. And stayed a strike. And then I would throw a rise ball. The bloody thing would rise. And, and I couldn't control it. And I just had such, uh, I don't know. I just couldn't control it. And it could have been the, the adrenaline of a final. But I had been in finals before. I'd been in big games before. I'd been in championships before. Yeah. I just couldn't control it. I ended up walking the first guy in. Wow. And then Dougie's an amazing catcher. I blew one between his legs. A, <laughs> a, a drop that was a strike went between his legs. Just down and through the wickets, and yeah. another guy scored. Yeah. Yikes. And then I don't know if it was a flat out wild pitch, but another guy scored, and we're down 3 nothing. Yeah. And then we settled in and shut him down for the second, third. And then, uh, you know, again, it's super hot. So Terry made the choice. We're going to switch you out. And I thought, damn it. You know, we're just starting to get rolling here now, but we're down 3 nothing. And so T-Bell came in, and he threw fantastic. Um, he's just got such a blistering drop and, you know, best pitch in a championship game anyway. But uh, – he just, they kept grounding out or striking out or whatever. And he just did a great job and held us through three, four, and I think five innings. And then, uh, I, you know, I, I, I can't remember the details, but whether it was in the sixth or the seventh, they made a pitching change after we got a couple of hits. And it was Chubb, I think, who was facing Jody. Henniger, and he was told, do not throw him a rise ball. Chubb's got a bloody good rise ball, too, and he was throwing bullets. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of, it reminds me of that Bull Durham or whichever movie that was about baseball where the guy says, don't throw him a fastball. He goes, well, he hasn't seen my fastball. Yeah. And then the guy hits it out of the yard. Yeah, that's right. Well, Meat. it was kind of like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Meat. Uh, it was kind of like uh, Chubby thought, Jody hasn't seen my rise ball. He threw two drops, got two strikes on him, threw something else, and then I didn't think he was throwing it that hard, quite frankly. I mean, 
T-Bell was throwing way harder than he was. Uh, but then he threw the rise ball and Jody hit it so freaking far out of the park. It was <laughs> crazy. And the entire stadium went nuts. That's amazing. And this was a packed, packed, packed to the brim round stadium around our park. And they went nuts. And the awesome, Americans, man. the American team climbed the fence <laughs> around the New Zealand bench and said, they're going to F and kick your ass now. <laughs> they just lit them up because of the bad blood. From yeah, yeah. And then, um, <laughs> and then in the eighth inning, we went eight and in the top of eight, uh, Rick Pimlot hit a, a double. Uh, Marty Kernigan came up to bat and they thought, we don't want a piece of this. So they walked him. And Smitty come and up? Smitty come up. Oh, God bless you, Smitty. And <laughs> yeah, he rocks one off the fence. And yeah, both no. fielders ran to the fence. But it's a concrete uh, kind of fence, like a very, uh, whatever it was. I think it was concrete. Hmm. Um, it hit the fence and bounced back toward the infield. <laughs> and both fielders ran to the ball. And when it hit it, it came back in a bit. So they had to go chasing it some more. Oh, wow. And freaking uh, Marty scored from first. Wow. Yeah. We went up 5-3, and Z came out there and just went zip, 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 done deal. It was over so fast. Nice. That's awesome. Now, Z walked out, and you could just see this, get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> coming home. Yeah. yeah. It was, and then, you guys, the, the place just went nuts. Yeah, it went awesome. nuts. Yeah. And then we got in that bus, <laughs> and Creedence Clearwater Revival was playing, which was our <laughs> our. our music yeah and and it was played to the point of distortion <laughs> and the and the party oh and we had police escorts because it would take about an hour and 40 to get to the hotel without them oh yeah because we're in manila the traffic is unbelievable right and with these guys we could get there in about 25 minutes <laughs> and this party was so much fun <laughs> so much fun and you, you you had this vision of the of the globe around globe with a number one on it oh nice the best team in yeah. the world that's awesome it was awesome guys Just yeah awesome that's amazing yeah i'll tell you i you know I, and and i remember phoning ron hill oh yeah good yeah. good yeah yeah. So, Ron Hill, last October of 2019, I was inducted into Victoria Sports Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And I am so thankful Ron was still alive with his wife, uh, Lorna, and mm -hmm. along with my brothers and family, um, they were in the crowd. And it was so special for me to honor him like I have in the other Hall of Fame uh, uh, speeches, mm -hmm. but now he's in the crowd, and it was nice to say it while he was there listening with my family mm -hmm. to thank him for those years. And little did I know he would die before Christmas. Oh, goodness. Just oh. two months later, yeah. his kidneys gave out. He gained like 40 pounds of liquid or, or water yeah. weight and uh, his organs shut down and he died shortly after. And, oh, that's uh, unfortunate. I'm thankful that he was in good health. It appeared in good health. Yeah. And we had a wonderful time. He and his wife stayed at the hotel where it was held that night. And um, it was so good to have him there and for us to all enjoy times with him and share some stories. And 
you know, and, and for my brothers to say, to let him know too, you know, thank you for what you did for our brother. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, for sure. uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty dang special. I imagine. Great. I want to, I want to ask about, uh, was it 96 you had knee surgery? Yeah. Was, yeah. The first of the, of the surgeries. Okay. Did, did you think, did you think at that point it, it, you were getting close to the end of the line? I knew it was a possibility, yeah. but I was, they said, you know what, you've got some cartilage that, uh, it, it kind of looks like crab meat, you know, this kind of furry stuff, uh, like you pulled some crab meat apart or something. He said, and he showed me the, uh, what do you call it? The MRI? MRI, yeah. No, the, the, they actually scoped it and got a picture of it. Oh, okay. And he said, you can see it there. He said, we're just going to shave that off. And you should be able to, to go back to playing Warrior G2 brace on your knee for a while uh, until it's comfortable again. And so I had to wear that dang brace while mm-hmm. playing for Green Bay All-Car. Mm-hmm. Guys, it was on my left knee. So as your arm comes down, it just missed hitting the brace. Oh, yeah. Right? Because the brace comes up your, above your knee a little bit. Yeah. And it just missed. And what that meant was... And it, this goes to let you know how refined our muscle memory is, or if you know the more specific science, it's called the myelin sheath that goes around your nerves from your brain to your muscles and all that. Mm-hmm. There's a myelin sheath, and the more you practice, more sheaths get built. So there could be actually 50 layers of this myelin sheath. Wow. And you will find it in supreme athletes. So I only had maybe 15 of those <laughs> you know, anyway. Um, but they, they say that's why it looks like when you see Michael Jordan playing or Crosby playing, they almost make other people look slow because their nerve impulses travel faster. The more myelin sheaths are built up around that nerve. Wow. Oh, wow. And this is just part of the latest science of athletes. Yeah. And it's um, what book? I think it's called the talent code. It was the book where that was explained very clearly. Okay. And uh, around 50, 55, that sheets start to crack, but they say you can actually build new ones. But, okay, moving on. Um, crap, where, where, where were we? I just digressed there. <laughs> no, Some I'm dude a... named Mylon Chief. <laughs> yeah, prior to that. No, the, uh, being with Alcar. Yes. So what happens is, you are so finely tuned to throw that with that brace, it changed my mechanics just a little bit. And I never walked so many guys in my life or gone deep into the count so many times Mm -hmm. because of the brace. And yet it felt to me like it was okay. Like, I mean, I'm fine. I'm physically fine, but why can I not pinpoint exactly where I want pitches to go? Yeah. It was the craziest thing. And I remember Johnny Becker was our coach that year, or manager, and he would say, like, Peach, what are we going to do with you, man? You're going so deep into counts. And fortunately, you're fit enough to throw 150 pitches plus a game. Yeah. But, but you shouldn't be. No, that's right. And that's right. So then we hosted the ISF in Michigan that year. Or sorry, the, I, oh, I wasn't a host. I'm although I wasn't playing for an American team, <laughs> Midland, um, Midland playing Midland. for Canada. Yeah. It was in Midland, Michigan, and I wore the brace for the warm-up only, but when I took it off in the game, guys, it all came back. It all came back, that pinpoint Yeah, the control. muscle memory. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and 
I knew I gave up a, a home run to Japan, but I don't think I gave up a run other than that in the tourney. Wow. That's, in, that's incredible. Now, were you, were you a little worried taking off the brace? Like, oh, of course you are. But yeah. uh, that adrenaline hits and the focus of the importance of the game and who right. you play for, what's on stake, um, it was all fine. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as the game ended, by the way, you need that reassurance. So the, the brace went right back on again. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, and then I wore it again. I wore it up until that tournament. I wore it under my uniform. And then after the tourney, I I didn't wear it again in a game, but only before and after. Right. Mm-hmm. And then in '97, I didn't need it anymore. Oh, okay, oh, good. That's good. Good, good, good. And I've had no knee issues ever again. Oh wow, that's 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 rare Very for somebody yeah. with <laughs> that has knee surgery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was quite fortunate. Uh, I want to ask about the uh, ASA game, the 48 strikeouts and a one nothing win. In 20 innings over Peter Meredith. That is insane. Unheard of. <laughs> did you did you say 48? 40, was it 48 strikeouts? Oh, I could never throw 48. In, it was 46. In, oh, so, <laughs> it was 46. Oh, shit, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. 46, no, it wasn't 48. Bad. That's way too many. It was 46. <laughs> That's so, insane. You know what? I, I'm glad you asked about that because nobody knows this. Prior to that tournament... Early that season, I was throwing and I did something wrong with mechanics. I got a bone bruise on my wrist and it plagued me the entire year. And at times I would throw a pitch and just bend over in pain because it felt like somebody hit my left, uh, whatever, uh, bone in my wrist, Mm -hmm. that one that brushes by your hip it was felt like somebody hit me with a hammer. It hurt so bad at times. And as a result, I struggled that year. And then we had a two to three week break from our season finish to, uh, the ASAs and the damn thing healed. And I just was so chomping at the bit to play Yeah, because now I'm no longer in pain. Do you know, do you know the, People who have had chronic pain and then had a, like a surgery like I had on my hip or three years of pain and then you have surgery and you almost feel guilty because you have no more pain. Right. <laughs> it's such a life changer. Yeah, but as time. an athlete, when you're playing in pain and then you get a break and the pain's gone, you are so relieved and excited to play again. And yeah. that's what 88 was. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. it started with like an 18K game against Page Break. And it just continued again and again and again. And then we had this barn burner against Meredith. And, and I mean, it was, uh, it was supposed to be a five o'clock game, but the game before got delayed due to extras. Mm-hmm. So we started at six. And then there was supposed to be a five, seven, and nine game. And here we are playing the five o'clock game and we finish at 10 to midnight. Oh, man. That's crazy. Yeah. So it, during the game, I asked for a hot dog and then a Coke. And then <laughs> I asked for a hamburger and and then uh, I think another uh, like Diet Pepsi or something for a little something to wash it down. I was drinking lots of water, of course. Yeah. And then, but you need a little caffeine to keep you jacked. And then, um, you know, in the 13th inning of that game, they had a guy on third and with full count, my catcher called a change up and I thought, buddy, you've got big brass balls calling that pitch. Yeah. And he put the glove 
and his name is Gary Backus. And Gary Backus is one of the smartest and smoothest catchers. And he had a, like a southern drawl mm-hmm. in his in his speech. <laughs> And he'd come out there and says, we need something special from you, Peach. Let's have her. He might have called me Canuck. And he said, we need something special. Let's have it right now. And and he had this kind of calm in the middle of the storm voice. And yeah. man, could he catch a ball. Oh, he was awesome. And I think he was signed by the Dodgers fresh out of high school wow. as a pitcher. But he played in a church league and they overthrew him and he blew out his shoulder. Oh, goodness. Wow. And he, as luck would have it, he ended up being my catcher for fastball. But and he was amazing. Anyways, he calls this changeup, gives me the. After I just start winding up, he puts the glove up where he wants it, and it's going right into his glove, and the guy fouls it off. And I thought, oh man, that was awesome. Now you're gonna <laughs> throw me that rise ball, but I'm gonna blast by the guy. Yeah. And he puts down the change again. again. Oh, wow. And I just went. Unbelievable. <laughs> Nobody in the park is expecting this. Nope. And I throw the pitch. He holds the glove there and he squeezes the glove and it doesn't miss by a centimeter. And the guy watched it for strike three. Oh, that's oh, amazing. And that ended the 13th inning. <laughs> Full count, two out, runner on third. Wow. And, and after that pitch, it was kind of like they had this, it doesn't matter. He's going to beat us. Mm-hmm. And we we had a runner on second, get a single score. Nice. And anyway, in the in the uh, first final, um, actually, let's go back. This is worth telling because sure. after that game, we had the day off. Right. We went playing at University of Illinois golf term, uh, golf course, and I'm not a great golfer, but I ended up playing the best golf game of my life uh, the next day. It was kind of funny, and a couple of the people we met along the course said, hey, uh, are you guys hear about that game last night? And they're kind of pointing at me saying he threw it. But oh, uh, it, was, it was kind of fun, yeah. Well, yeah. My, I was cool. pretty tight after that game, but it was yeah. nice to have the day off. Yeah. Those were the days where you could heal in two days. Yeah. Now it takes you five days. Yeah. You know? But uh, anyway. Um, so were you, in, next, were you and Peter, during that game, were you and Peter ever looking at each other going, is one well, of we us... were good friends. Yeah, we yeah, were yeah. good friends. I mean, we've been to Jamaica ten times at least together with our sponsor because he had a villa there. Right. So when we played together on the farm, we went to Jamaica often. Yeah. And uh, we were such good friends. And, and no, I, he was a comp- competitor. I was too. I didn't hate like I did with some of the other teams. Mm-hmm. Peter was. I really like Peter. Right. And uh, we just had so many good times together. I I, I so much kindness in my heart for that guy. But yeah. anyway, uh, in that game, I just wanted to win. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't thinking bad stuff at all. I just, I knew I was on a roll before the tournament. I just wanted to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for and, sure. uh, it was all positive. Yeah. Um, in, um, in the next, so, so we had the next day off and then the next day was the winter bracket final. And in the seventh inning of the winter bracket final, I'm playing against Peter Brown with some California team. Um, Peter Brown was pitching for him and he threw very well. Um, but we were just a better team. I think we had a three, nothing lead. And in the seventh inning with one out went around the horn. And then I looked to first base to get the ball back. And he was walking over with the ball about to flip it into my glove. And, and I said, his name was Tom Kneebone. And I said, Hey, TK, uh, have they got anybody to first base yet? 
And he sheepishly looked at me and says, uh, hey, Canuck, do you think you should be asking that question right now? <laughs> and I said, you know what? I really don't care. we got a 3 nothing lead. We're going to win this game. But I'm just curious. Did they got anybody to first base yet? And he kind of just raises his eyebrows and says, well, actually, no, they haven't. <laughs> and I thought, I said, man, is this game gone by fast. Oh, yeah. And he says, well, it wasn't 20 innings. <laughs> kind of thank God. And then yeah. uh, we uh, grounded the next guy out and popped the next guy up, and we got a no-hitter. Wow. That's awesome. Wow, wow. And and so then we meet Meredith in the final, and damn it, if it doesn't go 16 innings, then he beats us one nothing. Yeah. No way. And, yeah. He beats us one nothing in sixteen, and uh, and then the next game was a seven inning game, and and I uh, be honest with you, I'm I threw every pitch of the whole tourney, so I was getting pretty tired. Oh no doubt. And and uh, by the way, so did he, <laughs> but uh, I was, I guess, more tired. And uh, <laughs> and <laughs> anyways, they beat us two nothing, and and they won the championship. That's unreal. And we shared MVP. We shared top pitcher. I set the record for the U.S. National Championship with 140 strikeouts in those seven games. Wow. And he set the record with most consecutive innings pitched. And just so you know, he set the record for most strikeouts as well. I just had him by quite a few more. <laughs> that's, and that's insane. I set the record for most consecutive innings pitched, but he had 10 innings more than me when he had to play Peter Brown to oh. get back to the championship. Wow. Wow. Now, you're... This is just too, this is when you know it's fate, guys. Yeah. Okay. I beat him in this 20 inning game, one nothing. Now he's got to play Peter Brown the next night, or maybe the next two days later. He might have thrown three games in that final day. And he could easily do it. But yeah. anyway, he was a horse. So yeah. what happens? He's playing Peter Brown. The game goes 10 innings. 10 innings before he faces us in those two championship games. That's unbelievable. Mm hmm. And what happened in that 10-inning game? How did he win it? His team has got two out, runner on second base. In the 10th inning, bottom of 10. And, uh, excuse me, I'm just picking it. So. Thanks, bud. Yes, please. <laughs> Thanks. Amazon is here. Sorry. Oh, right on. Christmas presents. <laughs> Christmas has come early. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so what happens in that game? Runner on second, two out. Guy hits a line drive off of Peter Brown's forehead. Holy what? <laughs> yes, and it goes straight up. Shortstop looks at second, second looks at shortstop, and then they both look at the pitcher laying on the ground there, knocked out, thinking, <laughs> our poor pitcher. And then they realize, crap, there's still a ball in the air. And as they both run to it, they miss it by three feet, both of them. <laughs> it drops. Well, on the hit, the guy from second's running. Yeah. He scores on this line shot off the forehead. <laughs> and that's how they win the freaking game in 10 innings, one nothing. That's amazing. That's Is amazing. Is that not fate that they're meant to win the national championship? Yeah. Yep. Yep, for sure. Oh, my goodness. What are the, what's the odds of that man? That's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, oh, wow. you know the things that happen in this game. I mean, there's probably a hundred of these stories, but I'll tell you, I've learned, I've learned, you know, so in sports, so many things. Yeah, just keep plugging away. Good oh. things will happen. Yeah, that's exactly so, right. And, and and bad things happen. I hate to say that too. Bad, terrible things happen. 
Now, now looking back, Mike, who are some who are some of the toughest faders? Uh, sorry, t- some of the toughest hitters you faced over the year. Well, there were some easier ones like Colin Abbott and Sorensen and Kernigan, mm. but uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, Abbott was dang good. I mean, he. I mean, there's sometimes where he would swing and look terrible, <laughs> and then sometimes he'd throw a brutal pitch. Like, I mean, you miss by a mile outside, mm. and he hits you out of the yard. Yeah, you know what's with that? <laughs> and uh, uh, I mean, he's ruined a lot of games for me. Uh, Jody was tough, although uh, I got him sometimes too. But uh, Colin was a tough one, mm-hmm. very tough. Sorensen was very tough. They're just focused players. And, you know, guys, you've heard this line before. You can get a lot of good hitters once or twice in a game. The reason they're called very good hitters is they get you in the end. They get you that once, yeah. And they usually get you when it counts. Yep. Yeah. That's Colin. That's Mark Sorensen. Um, Marty Kernigan did it to me. Uh, in the early years, Brian Sosnowski got me a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And, do you know, I'm okay with that. Looking back, I'm okay with that. Uh, I learned a little bit later to not let the best beat you. Yeah. So, like for instance, we were in New Zealand, and I was Sorensen hit me twice off the wall on a televised game. Our national team went down uh, for a tour after we won the ISF, mm-hmm. and we were teaching kids at high schools, you know, pitching in clinics, you know, after after we played, we played New Zealand ten times while we were there. Wow. And one of the games uh, that was televised. Um, Sorensen hit me twice off the wall, and I thought, you know, he's coming up to bat. We've got a 2 nothing lead. It's the seventh inning. <laughs> There's two out. He comes up to bat, and I'm thinking, no way, man. I am not so proud I'm going after you the third time. No. <laughs> and so I just threw inside, and he leaned in, and it drilled him in the wrist or shoulder, whatever it was. <laughs> it just hit him, and he went to first base. He's all pissed off. And I'm thinking, what do you expect, man? No, tough yeah. teams. I'm gonna I'm gonna get close to you, so there's no way you're gonna hit it no, if no. it just misses you. Yeah. That's right. I am not giving you a pitch to hit. So I just threw inside. I didn't mean to hit him, of course, but mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. because I really don't want to hit anybody, but uh unless I'm told to and it calls for it. But mm-hmm. um in this case, you know, it's on T V, it's the New Zealand national team in their own country. I don't want to drill the guy, especially when he's their captain and, and then um and plus he's a friend and a former roommate. We played together in the farm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when he was a youngster, I think he was 18 at the time. But anyway, um, yeah, so I hit him, and he's on first base. <laughs> Thank you very much. Next guy grounds out, we win the game. Exactly. It's done. And, and You're not you know beating what? me. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So you kind of you, you learn to swallow your pride. But Mark sure. and uh, Colin, uh, Jody has knocked off. Uh, knocked me off for a couple big games, and and so has Brad Underwood. He was a very good hitter as well. And, mm-hmm. Uh, but Sosnowski, uh, we played a lot in Canada against each other, and he he was a, just a – I just – mine was a lot of a strikeout game, not just grounding people out all the time. Like I, you were trying to work the strikeout. Right. Um, I learned later that it's not – again, later in the career, like second half, that it's not always that important to K everybody, but it sure is. And you know why, by the way, the K the, – working the K? Rod Peterson – 
pushed it on us as pitchers. He said, when a catcher catches that ball, it's over. The guy struck out. But he said, you keep throwing ground balls. People have to get there, make a play, make a throw, make a catch. Right. He said, that's a lot of variables that can go wrong, guys. Nothing beats a strikeout. And I wish he never did that because you know what? <laughs> An easy ground ball is pretty easy for the level of these guys. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That strikeout on a rising, uh, rising pitch, dang, chicks dig the rise ball. <laughs> but my goodness, they also dig it when it goes out of the yard like yeah. 400 feet further. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I learned uh, drop balls win championship, rise ball set records. Yeah. Hey, Mike, do you remember, uh, I've played against you a couple times myself. Um, do you remember coming to Shubenacadie and playing in a tournament that we hosted here? You played with the Keys? I must remember that one. You because, have to. Uh, did it not get rained out? Yeah, of course it did. It always did. Every time we had a tournament there, it always got rained out on Sunday. Yes. So yeah. we, I did pitch one game, and yeah. then we, or part of one game, and yeah. then we got rained out. That's right, yeah. And yeah. by the way, that was the very first game I played with the Keiths. Yeah. The yeah. very first game. Yeah, wow. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that would have been mid-90s, I'm thinking. I'm going to say in the Keith's, uh, no, remember it was 1998. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, 98. Why? Because remember my son was born at Nationals? No, I don't. No, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, okay. It, it, in the National Championships yeah. um, in 1998, I was playing for the Keith's. That's they were hosted and in Saint Croix. That's the only that year. year I played for them. Yes, yeah. they, it was in Saint Croix, was it? That's no. correct. Yeah, in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that park. <laughs> what a poorly designed park. I mean, it was great to play on, but remember that damn road in the outfield? Yeah. Cars would come by and they would be looking to the left as they're heading, you know, from right to left. They'd be yeah. looking to the left, watching the game, and then the frick, boom, they would be in a car accident. Yeah, there was a massive <laughs> car accident that year. probably five rear enders. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm not kidding you. That's oh, why I, I say it was poorly designed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I grew up here. I know. <laughs> yeah. All the accidents we saw there. And plus there was a lot of people and people were wondering, what's going on here? And yeah. bang into the guy in front of them. That's right. But anyways, in that tourney, uh, my, uh, my wife was pregnant and we had discussed what we do when, if he, she's going to labor and I'm supposed to be at a nationals. And she said, you know, husband <laughs> this is this is what you do mm-hmm. and we are receiving uh, a bit of a monetary benefit for you going mm-hmm. and this is important for you to go to and keep establishing yourself as a national team quality pitcher mm-hmm. um, it's good and people of the country want to see the best there. And there's so many reasons, but she said, no, you, you do have to go. And hopefully he doesn't come before, um, the tournament's finished. But Mm -hmm. as it worked out, we were in the final game of the round Robin when against no, uh, Newfoundland, I believe we had like a 10, nothing lead in the fifth. And, um, I came out of the game Oh, and I, oh, you guys, you just reminded me of what happened <laughs> in that game. There was no need for me to be throwing. We were up like, uh, eight, nine, 10 runs by then. Yeah. And it might've been the fourth, actually, maybe the fifth, but it, with two out, a guy hit a liner up the middle. I 
did. And by the way, I played a little goalie in hockey, and sure enough, I reach out with my street hockey, by the way. <laughs> I have to add that. You can have a laugh. Everybody yeah. in the East will laugh at that one. <laughs> yeah, you pussy. You can't even skate. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> what ended up happening, I kind of do a skate save. I stop it with my heel, reach down, pick it up, throw the guy out at first, walk off the mound. And my heel bone is killing me. <laughs> and I, but you know, it's fresh. And so I walk and, yeah. and it hurts. Well, I go to bed that night. I wake up in the morning, my fricking foot is swollen and I cannot throw the championship game. Ugh. Damn it. And Jody threw it. We lost one, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Barry White, uh, Barry, Barry. Barry, Barry White, the singer, Barry Wright hit the uh, solo shot there. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. 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 Dang it. And, and I, and, and you know, I'm a, I'm a pickup. Yeah. And yeah. and the people were so good to me. Mm-hmm. And they were celebrating with me uh, the night earlier after. No, no, no. It was that game. It was that game. I go to the dugout. I pick up my cell phone and I look and it says no service. No way. So I leave the dugout. I go outside the dugout and it gives me a couple of bars. I go outside the dugout. I'm not kidding you guys. Two minutes later. It rings, and this lady says, Mike, there's somebody who wants to talk to you. And that was my mother-in-law who said those words. And I go, hello? And it's my wife. And she said, Lucas has a little brother. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. Wow. It just happened. I mean, it just happened at that moment. And then the the whole team, I mean, half the crowd behind our dugout, they're all looking at me knowing what's going on because it was in the paper that my wife is pregnant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ready yeah. to give birth. So they're all looking, and then I look at the guys, and I said, it's a boy. Mm-hmm. And the, the cheers, it was it was really neat, and the sponsor grabbed me a box of cigars, and it was <laughs> That's it was awesome. Cool. Yeah. That's great. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then, like I said, the next morning, I tried to go for a walk, and I just limped to the lake that we were staying beside, and in this little cabin, and uh, it was Barry Penman, myself, and Jody. Yeah. And uh, I I took my sock and shoe off, and I just soaked it in the cold water, thinking, am I ever going to be able to get this right before the championship game? And nope, couldn't do it. And I, and I felt like I let everybody down, because I just can't play. I just can't. It, it would have been a, just a total crap show if I did. I, I would have just got lit so badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I end up remember uh, limping to the airport when I was flying home. You know, I just, it was that bad. <laughs> That's too bad. It's too bad. You know, it's again, one of those things that happen in the game and, and, and yeah. things happen. It's kind of like a pitcher who throws lights out against you. And then you find out that going into the championship game, he's torn his nail. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and you can't grip a rise ball anymore, and mm-hmm. as a result, that's his pitch that got you out, and you light him up. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have we heard that one? Or he's got a blister. One hundred percent. Yeah. Happens to me all the it time. Happens. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's, it's it's no different than you know NFL or whatever. You know, our teams riddled with injuries going yep. into a playoff, and because they don't have their key players uh, playing their best, yep. they lose. That's right. No highs and lows of this game, eh? Part yeah, of the game, that's sure. right. Yeah. Uh, we do a little thing on here, Mike, uh, with every podcast where I'll uh, it's player association, and uh, I'll list, I'll name off a player, and you can you know say as much as you want or as little as about them. Sure. All right. The first one I'm starting off with. Uh, you mentioned him a little earlier, uh, Rocky Vitali. Oh man, 
So uh, can I say a sentence or a few or what? You, you, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's up to, up okay. to yourself, okay. totally. Vitaly, the first time I saw him was in New Zealand, 1983. He had as powerful an arm as I have ever seen it from a catcher. Wow. Drop a knee, throw you out at second. It wouldn't hardly even come out of the crouch. Just drop a knee and amazing, amazing. And then a great friend. We have a lot of history. Good hitter. Brilliant guy. He's done so much for the game. Yeah. Uh, by starting that uh, baseball academy and softball academy, the first in Victoria ever. Right. And he's his legacy will go on forever because of that academy. He's just done so much for so many people. I have the utmost respect for the guy. Plus, he was a very good catcher. He's caught me in a few championships. That's awesome. Uh, next one is Michael White. Oh, what can you say? Uh, <laughs> that isn't good. I mean, he's he's all he, a phenomenal pitcher. I've watched him in so many championships. Uh, I'm glad to say I got to play with him and uh, a smart student of the game and maybe one of the, if not the most successful person in the game of fast pitch for using the game to better his life. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy for him. He's uh, a husband of a lovely lady and two beautiful daughters. And and I'm happy for him. I'm so happy that he's at Texas and, and his family's doing well and he's doing well. Um, as are many people who've come from a level fast pitch, yep. you know, and uh, Whitey, just a phenomenal pitcher and a huge big game pitcher. He just comes through for you. Yep. Actually, I've been, I've been, I've been chatting with him. I'm trying to get him lined up to come on the podcast here, here shortly. <laughs> Great so, guy. Yeah. Great guy. So, uh, hopefully that materializes. Um, mm-hmm. next one is, uh, Darren Zach. <laughs> Maybe he has done more for the game than anybody I've ever known. Um, uh, Rocky's done it in a different way. But Z is the finest ambassador of the game I've ever met. I mean, when we played, what a great teammate on the national team. You know, I've I've got a couple pictures of me holding up all my rings on my fingers. I think three quarters of those are because of Darren. <laughs> I mean, you give him a ball in a championship game. Uh, you're as good as gold. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's just amazing. And the most naturally gifted player pitcher that I've ever known. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just a ball of joy to play with and to hang with. Um, but like I say, the finest ambassador, wherever we went with team Canada, People loved him. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, last one on the list, and he's our next guest on the podcast, is Colin Abbott. Uh, not much good to say about Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Half of your listeners probably just hung up. <laughs> we, we have a huge Newfie following. Oh, God, so. yeah. I'm sure you do. No, <laughs> Colin, Colin is, like I say, as a hitter, Oh, what a terror to face. Oh, he was tough. Um, As a teammate, though, because I looked up to him so much as a hitter. He was so tough to face. But when he would compliment you going into a championship game or thank you uh, or say good good game after a championship game, because remember in 1999 when we won the Pan American Games, Mm -hmm. um, 
what you might not know is uh, I never gave up a run that tournament. And to have him come up after and say, you know, great job, Peaches, you know, great tournament. Um, that's that's uh, high accolades from a very high level player. Mm-hmm. And that means a lot to me. Yeah. Um, we played together in Green Bay. Uh, I don't know if we played together on the farm, but we have had, of course, our years together with Canada as well. And he, when he was at the top of his game, all good hitters have a confidence about them. And he is no exception. He was a very good hitter. And there was not a pitcher in the world who got the best of him. Right. I mean, I'm sure he'll tell you that there are some tough ones. Uh, he probably won't say I was one of them, <laughs> but uh, he he may say there were some tough ones. But my goodness, he got the best of everybody at one time or another. Uh, and maybe he, like he Sorensen, Kernigan, Timmy Wall, they are as good as the hitters as I've maybe ever seen during my heyday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like Colin. He's a great teammate to play with and uh i have fond memories of the guy that's nice that's awesome well mike yeah. i yeah. we got to thank you for coming on you've told Huge. some amazing stories and you know you're a big part of this game you know not only across the country but uh, across the world so we got to thank you for coming on to to tell your side you know i've never done one of these before and man that was fun yeah, it's uh, a good memory memory lane. Lighting the fire on my memory of yeah, yeah. Uh, of some things in the past, and yeah. and giving me a chance to uh, maybe fill in the blanks for a few few people about sure you know what it was like for me maybe growing up or uh, playing in the game, but mm-hmm. uh, because the person I was when I played uh, is not the person I value the most, especially now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was what I was as an athlete and as a competitor, but trust me, uh, if that's the only person you saw me as when I played, that is not who I am. So, um, well, I'll be honest with you, Mike, that's why we like doing this because we've been around the game a long time and I, I've played against a lot of people, you know, you go to battle, you don't know them, but when we get to talk to them afterwards, you find out who they are or from other people, you find out who they are. It just makes our fastball family just really large and makes us respect everybody so much more. Yeah. And for that, well done guys, because like I say, I wasn't one to go in the beer tent ever Mm -hmm. with uh, other teams. And I was uncomfortable, quite frankly, doing that. Uh, Mm -hmm. By the way, I don't have a spleen, so I don't process alcohol too great. Right. And so I've, Randy has it's one. Not that I always kept my nose clean for the sake of sponsors, which is sure, one of the reasons of why I don't go drinking. But yeah. it's mainly because I can't perform after drinking. Right. Mm-hmm. And my body just doesn't do that. So, uh, but, so I didn't get to know very many people while I played, unless they were on my team. And in that case, they were everything to me. Oh, yes, for sure. For sure. But guys, thank you so much for what you're doing here and for keeping the game alive and well and tight and the great stories that are going to be shared and uh for years to come there's so many great stories absolutely that's awesome mike thanks for coming on you know my absolute pleasure yeah hopefully you know chat chat again down the road down the road again get some more stories from you absolutely and i want to wish you and any of the listeners a very merry christmas uh and i hope that 2021 
uh, brings you many, many blessings. Absolutely. Happy New Year to you and your family as well. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Mike. Thanks, Thanks, Mike. Take care. Okay. Bye Bye now. See you, pal. Wow, that was awesome. Yeah, you need to pee, don't you? I do need to pee. <laughs> Holy cow! Like that. Yeah. Like I mean, there's there's a lot. Like there's a lot of stuff we uh, I didn't get to touch on. Like I, yeah. you know, I have my list here. Yeah, and, of course. And you know, for him, for Mike to go into you know detail, you know, about his father passing and stuff. I mean, pulls he, at the heartstrings. Man. He didn't have to do that. And, no. And for. Uh, yeah, just you know, seeing that side side of the game from you know somebody I looked up to, and me too, and, yes, for and sure. Yeah, just it's just awesome. Like, yeah. for, I can't wait. You know, if we get to talk to him again, yeah. I have so much stuff that I want to talk yeah, to him about because we miss a lot. I did. I didn't get to mention to him that I beat him in 1994 either. Um, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't beat him. Yeah, but a, you know what I mean. That's awesome. But, no, uh, that was uh, he's fantastic, and he's again one of those guys that has traveled absolutely everywhere to play ball. Yep. And it doesn't sound like he made a lot of friends, but a lot of people know who he was. That's yeah. for damn sure. Yeah. And we, well, he's definitely well respected. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. competitive side as well. It's nice to hear that stuff too. Like, you know, I hated those teams. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's cool. That's so, really good. Yeah. So, like I said, telling them, telling everybody our next guest is uh, probably our most. Uh, Requested guest? Yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, we've had a lot. <laughs> Colin Abbott? Yeah. So, uh, he's that's, the real Abbey. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's coming up in the new year. And, uh, I'm excited about that's that. That's going to be a fun one. Can't yeah, wait sure. to, can't wait to talk to him. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And, uh, so anyway, uh, this is our first one for 2021. Yeah. Happy Ho- New Year, Andy. Hopefully everybody had a happy new year. Yeah. And, uh, keep listening. Best of luck in 2021. And, uh, let's put COVID to bed. Yep. Look forward to uh, everybody being healthy and happy for uh, next year and uh, look forward to getting on the ball field and seeing everybody. All right. All right. Take care, man. Happy New Year. Classified. Yeah. Taking time off from the act and I gotta relax. I need a new beat. Yo, for stroll, I got a few treats. You been up in the city long? Nah, only two weeks. Cool. Well, I'm sorry about the weather. It's been raining all week. I hope it gets a little better. Either way, class, listen. I got an ill vision by the song I'm working on. You think you got the right rhythm? Man, come on. You know I got some shit that'll break your neck. I used up what I want, but you can take what's left. Don't give me bullshit, dog. You know I blaze the set. You know you got something to say for West. I got an ill concept. Hip hop. I will pay the real line destines. What? 1987. I've been repping in the ciphers in the sessions, and I'm still be getting stressed on the block. You know it's hard to be hip hop. And ain't nobody staying real. Uh. Don't pay bills when you showcase skill. Uh. Ain't nobody living off of doing windmills or painting train rails. That's real. It's hard to be hip hop. Real. Cause I don't pack steel, do my tracks appeal Until the mass appeal, watch a fast say fail Yeah, I'm hip-hop son, until my casket sealed It's hard in the culture when the fans are fickle Understand my issue, yo man will diss you One minute you're whack and then your jam's yeah. official And then they switch again, two bottles of cancer hit you First they loved LL, and then they hated them And then they loved them again, and they degraded them So lately, basically, I don't know if I can play to win Survival of the fittest, let me see what type of shape I'm in Yo, Stro, when I was younger, like 19 I could spend all day writing rhyme schemes Spitting freestyle and cipher in the streets But now I got responsibilities Yo, it's hard to be hip-hop